0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we give you the latest from OU spring practice. They put the pads on, and we begin our position previews with OU's tight ends. Then we finish up with winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us, all right? Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. all right it's a beautiful monday march 28th and you're listening to the oklahoma breakdown with Iker and layman presented by riverwind casino riverwind is oklahoma city's premier casino experience and your health and safety are riverwind's number one priorities There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, maybe, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Riverwind will be featuring live music and local food trucks every month starting in May for the Beats and Bites Festival. All right. Performers include the Randy Rogers Band and Scotty McCreary. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, recording this Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. Both of us, we we got some stuff going on tonight. So, knocking it out we'll get it out early so i know in the opening i say it's it's monday march 28th but that's just i think most people listen to this on sunday ted so it's just we try to cover our cover our bases there you know
1: yeah you got to um but all in all beautiful weekend and i for one not upset about getting it wrapped up a little early today
0: absolutely so please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it if you are interested In sponsoring the podcast, you can email theokalombabreakdown at gmail.com. And also a reminder, we are going to record our first Q&A episode this week, and there are three ways to get us questions. You can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and comment with your question. You can email us your question to theokalombabreakdown at gmail.com, or you can tweet the podcast Twitter and use hashtag askokb. And we're going to sort through some questions. We're going to answer a bunch of them, Ted. Should be fun.
1: Nope. I can't wait. But those are always good.
0: Speaking of fun, the Oklahoma Sooners have three spring practices under their belts. And really, the first real one took place on Saturday. Put the pads on, baby. And started things off with what they are calling the W drill. Let's just make it clear. It's not the Oklahoma drill. No, 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 no. The W drill, call it what you must, but, hey, when it it comes down to it, pads were popping to set the tone on the practice field for the real first practice of spring ball. Ted, you got to love it. You love to see it. Yeah. The
1: W drill, I guess, is the... I guess the new version of the Oklahoma drill you, that you cannot do anymore. Um, It's gotta be a non-contact drill, so to speak. So you do what you can with what you've got. And this is kind of their way to set the tone and the pads, get the mindset going a little bit, wake everyone up, say this is the tempo that we're rolling with. So uh, good stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not asking questions. They they did what they did. I'm sure everything was cleared through the proper channels. And I will say that that drill, it's kind of a rite of passage for anyone that plays at Oklahoma. And the it, it, it's a little different in spring than it is in training camp, but there is a certain anxiety to the buildup of having to do that drill, especially if you're a young player, especially if you are one of these guys that is an early enrollee, like you're thinking about it for a while. Like you get done with that second practice where you're not allowed to wear pads the like acclimation period or whatever. And you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming. And it was, I I would love to hear some of the conversations from the young guys, but like, Oh my gosh, I'm just so glad it's over because I, I remember that feeling that feeling being like, okay, I didn't get destroyed. I held my own. I didn't get embarrassed. And now it's over. Thank God. The
1: interesting part about it is through most of practice, you, it's kind of hard to explain. Like even in the drills that you're doing with the offense, like the offensive line is mainly watching the offensive line. The linebackers are mainly watching the linebackers. Like everyone's kind of coaching their positions, but Whenever you do a drill like this, you know that everyone on the entire team is going to watch every rep and watch every single person individually. And, like, one of the goals is to just don't look horrible on film. Like, whatever it is that you do, just try to survive. Don't do anything memorable uh, as far as being pancaked or anything like that. Just try and survive in advance.
0: Stalemate is a win. That was (laughs) always my motto. Stalemate is a win. But you do not want to be the guy that, however it happens. And there's, there's multiple ways it can happen. You don't want to be the guy that ends up on his back somehow. Like that's, that's, and it happens. It does happen. And it's not, it's not a good feeling. It's not a good, you, you just don't. And, and you feel bad for whoever ha- it happens to, depending on which side of the ball you're on and who it happens to. But I, I'm sure it happened. Not throwing any names out there, but I'm sure it happened, and that's an awful feeling, awful, yep. awful feeling.
1: It's, hey, you got to establish the gr- ground level and work up from there, right?
0: Exactly. So now that the Sooners have three practices under their belt, just you know, touch on some of the things that we've heard coming out of practice, and you know, th- speaking of that W drill it does sound like they're really pleased with how the offensive line is looking right now. And I think there is a, there's a general sense of optimism. And, you know, after the last couple of seasons where it hasn't been up to the standard up front, I do think bill beaten has, you know, he's taken that personally and, these guys, you know, you you look at some young guys that need to make the next step, whether that be you know an Anton Harrison, a Wondae Morris, a Savion Bird at the tackle positions. You've got some transfer guys that you feel good about in the interior, but it, it does seem like you know. And I'm, I'm not trying to make it sound like they got a finished product or anything like that. They absolutely don't. But if this offensive line group stays healthy they feel good about what they've seen from who they think are going to be their key contributors going forward, because I mean, they, they, they got after the defensive line a little bit in that W drill. So I, I think that the, the one, one of the big question marks that we talked about going into spring ball for the Sooners it, offensive line was one of them. And I I want to continue to hear good things come out of spring practice about the offensive line. That would make me feel a lot better about this football team in 2022.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, a a lot of times, especially if you're just installing a new system and, you know, just kind of learning, learning the process, learning some of the coaches, there's a heavy emphasis on like what the, like the core fundamentals are. Right. And you know, sometimes early on, it's maybe the offensive line is staying on double teams longer than they typically would instead of sifting up, up to the next level quicker just to try and, like, reinforce getting movement and punch at the, at the point of attack. And, like, whatever the, those key principles are to, like, the running game, you tend to, to hang, on, hang your hat on those early on in spring. And it sounds like all that stuff's gone really good. And, you know, it's going to be a learning process. You know, Venables does a lot of stuff defensively. And, you know, not only do the defensive guys have to learn a new system, they have to learn a new system. They have to learn a new offense, right? Because you get used to defending the same old offense, right? And you get kind of, you you kind of understand the tempo and the formations and and the adjustments and some of the motions that they do. So now they've got a whole new offense coming at them. They've got a new defense that they're they're trying to learn. And, you know, they also have new defensive coaches that they're trying to adjust to and, and kind of figure out like, like how practice goes. like what, what's, what's this going to be like? And on the offensive side, you, you, there's a little bit more of carryover with some of the, the offensive coaches. So uh, maybe this is a long-winded way of me to make excuses for the defense that That's the what offense it sounds is like. winning early on. But I think there's some legitimate claims in there.
0: Yeah, and and I will say this: uh, everything I was told, man, really competitive practice on Saturday between the offense and defense, and this is just, this is just part of the new mentality that Brent Venables brings, and maybe maybe it's just part of having a defensive head coach as as opposed to an offensive head coach. You get in pads for the first day of spring ball. You're trying. You're still trying to get your installs in place on both sides of the ball. You got all kinds of new coaches. You got all kinds of new early enrollees and transfers. And you do the W drill, and you do short yardage, goal line, and inside run period. All three of those in your first day in pads. That that's about as physical as it gets in today's day and age of college football. And I will say this: I, I will defend your defense. It sounds like the defensive line got after the O line and short yard goal line. So that's there. There's a win for your guys. I'll I'll continue to think that my guys are a little a uh, little ahead of yours mentally, and, and I just I, I think the offense maybe just a little ahead of the defense. Right, like you said, a little complex on the defensive side of things with BV, but just the physicality, the mentality. Like, just think of where you have to be from a mental focus standpoint as a player, knowing that like, hey, I'm going into a padded practice and it is going to be like, we are about to get this thing on. Like it is yep. no longer, you know, not doing inside run. It is, it, it's about as physical of a practice as you can construct now in college football. That's
1: good. That's what you've got to have. I mean, you can, you could talk about all kinds of of different Offenses and styles and game plan and schemes, but you've got to be able to run the ball and you've got to be able to stop the run. That's where it starts and finishes. I mean, that's the deciding factor in the majority of football games played at any level. So, yeah, let's let's get into it early. Let's specialize in both of those.
0: W drill, inside period. Or some people call it nine on seven, whatever you want to call it, and then short yardage goal line.
1: Oh, boy. But I guarantee Ooh, that there was also some, like, individual wasn't, like, I, I guarantee there's some, like, defensively, like, backers tackling stuff and individual, same thing for secondary. And I'm sure, like, offensive line was, was pretty physical, too, in some of their stuff.
0: Yeah, so here's, here's something I was thinking about when it comes to Jeff Lebby and the way that he wants to play Offensively, Like, we, we've talked a lot about how quickly they want to play when it comes to their tempo. And I'm interested to see how this progresses throughout spring practice because you've got two new systems that need to be installed, and you're, you're trying to get these guys to understand all of the intricacies of it. But one of the big things, remember, Lebby said, what, fast, physical, and I forget the there other... Was- Fearless, is that it? think so. Nice. That's a good one. But fast is one of the three Fs, and I know physical starts with the P. Leave me alone, people. But it, it's hard to, I would assume, with where they're at from an installation standpoint, it's hard for him to get to go as fast as he wants to go right now on the practice field because maybe this is something that a lot of people don't understand. You've got both sides trying to learn the system unless you're moving the ball in like a scrimmage mode, which they have not done yet, it's, it's pretty difficult to get that tempo going because when you're practicing, especially early in spring ball, and you get to team periods where you will be moving the ball, all that stuff is scripted beforehand uh, for the most part. And the staff talks about all of those details before they go out for practice. And, and that's so, you know, the down and distance is scripted. Uh, you predetermine if you're moving the football in the team periods, you predetermine how far you're going to move it each snap. Uh, that's So the equipment manager knows what yard line, what hash to put the ball down for the next play. So I, I just don't know how much of that, like, hyper-tempo Levy is able to use right now. Clearly, they're going to build up to that but I I just don't know with where they're at right now from an install standpoint, if he can ramp up the tempo all the way, the way that he wants to do it.
1: Probably not. Um, I don't, I I don't know. That's, that's a, that's an interesting, that's, that's something that's going to be really hard to practice anyways. You know, Um, even if you're dealing with a scout team, in in training camp later on whenever offensive defense are going to split up it's it's still going to be really hard to replicate exactly what you want it to look like so I don't know my guess is early on it's probably not going to be all that fast and just like anything else the more opportunities the more practice and what little there may they may get in a in a day-to-day practice like they'll probably slowly ramp things up and like probably the speed that they're going right now, that the players think is fast, is just barely entry level with the speed at which they want to go. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, which is um, which is interesting to think about. So yeah. we'll we'll see. And sounds like Dylan Gabriel clearly he's got to improve some things, but he's I mean he's operating this offense really efficiently, and they are they're very pleased with where they're at. And yeah, I can't, can't wait to uh, see how they progress. You know, still got, you know, already three down, only got 12 more to go when it's, it goes so quickly sometimes in spring. Okay. So they got the three practices out of the way. What what type of buzz defensively? Like what, 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 what are some of the things that you're kind of hearing?
1: Well, it it, it sounds like, Sounds like defensively, it's it's going to be a work in progress. Trying to get everyone, I think one of the big things for Venable's like defensively is just trying to get everyone up to the expectation of of what they're how they're expected to play, like with the physicality, with the effort, with all of those all of those Just like learning how to practice is kind of where they are right now um and that's probably a full team thing not just a defensive thing um personnel wise it sounds like defensively they they like a lot of what they have to work with You're just trying to figure out some of the exact spots with some of those guys and trying to really really learn more about the the personnel um you know the like for instance inside backer i think they they like a lot of the talent that they have they're just trying to figure out who those guys are going to be, what their real strengths and weaknesses are. Um, you know, in the secondary, I think the secondary is going to be interesting because I think they really like the personnel. It's just a matter of sifting through who's going to be at safety, who's going to be at corner, who's going to be at nickel. And there's, cause there's some of those guys that have played all of those positions here in the past. And they're just trying to figure out where the best, kind of group is and so whenever we've heard they're going in without a depth chart i think that's true um you know part of it is letting everyone earn their way the other part of it is is like they're honestly still learning their roster and see where they want some of those guys to play um i think they like the defensive line i think there's some some good solid play there um maybe don't have any what you would just call guys that are blowing things away right now, uh, talent-wise, but a good, solid group on the edge. Um, there's a couple of guys that are, I think whatever they started, they felt like maybe we're going to be a little limited in that spot, but as these three practices have kind of played out, there there's maybe been a little bit of change of, of opinion there. There's... Been some good guys rolling in at the edge positions, which is like we know one of the glaring uh, questions or concerns for this defense moving forward is that that edge spot. You know, that's that's what makes a lot of these defenses go. You got to have someone on the edge that can do multiple things, pressure the quarterback. And I I think there was some concern there early on and starting to be a guy or two emerge that that could do a lot of
0: things yeah saw the uh saw the clip of Miguel chavis uh, the guy who's coaching those edge guys right saying now he's got he's got a deep voice I'm not even going to try yeah. to do it but he uh what do he say you won't play for me if you're not violent. I, yeah. I liked hearing that
1: yep no that's that's right and they've got they've got a couple of guys there that are big and physical and i think just it's it's taken the staff a little bit to to honestly assess what they're seeing there. And at first maybe looked a little possibly slow and limited, but as, especially when they got into pads, like, okay, maybe, maybe we've got something here. So it's going to be fun to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah. Okay. I guess the last thing as far as, you know, these last couple of days for, for OU football, big recruiting weekend this weekend. And, we continue to see big-time prospects saying extremely positive things about their experiences with Brent Venables and his staff at Oklahoma. And those those prospects that were there on Saturday, they, they got to see him in his element there on the practice field. And that probably gave them a better understanding of what the – the intensity and focus that BV always talks about looks like mm-hmm. when it comes to football. And I will say, I saw that Rocky Kalmus and his son were there. Uh, and we've had several people say that we need to get Rocky Kalmus on here, Ted. And I'm leaving that up to you. That's your responsibility. I don't know Rocky. I i assume you do maybe i'm just assuming that all stud butkus award-winning linebackers <laughs> know each other at you but i am um, no, absolutely
1: yeah uh i mean you played with the guy <laughs> played with the guy uh absolutely no rock um don't see him a whole lot because he he li- still lives in tennessee but yeah we can explore that for sure i think that's it's cool that he was in town um got to see BV. his son is uh Pretty good athlete now, really good player, good all-around athlete. So that was cool to see him in town for sure.
0: Yeah, and a lot of, a lot of big-time prospects in town. So, man, it's it's going to be really fun to see how recruiting goes over these next couple of years for Brent Venables. And then uh, who knows when OU goes to the SEC, I expect that to to help improve things on the recruiting trail, but yeah, it seems like they're doing everything the right way. Okay. So we did it last year. People really enjoyed it. So we're going to do it again this year. And that is our positional previews for OU football. And we're going to start this year's previews with the tight ends room. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is loves travel stops Loves has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places wherever your road trip needs are. Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, yes, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves all says you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit Loves.com.
1: Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of Oklahoma breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery, soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. Still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use the promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft. 10% 10 percent off.:
0: And we'd had a lot of people ask about OU softball gear.: Oplus got it approved from OU. They now have softball shirts, Ted.: There we go.: Use Love promo it. code TED. 10 percent off. OU Gonna softball shirts.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: he lives in 11 personnel. So he, he plays, he plays with a tight end on the field. Now going back and watching his offenses at Ole Miss, he, he stays in 11 personnel a lot of time. So that means one back and one tight end, but he will also get in some 10 personnel, meaning one back, no tight ends, but he will also get in 12 personnel, meaning one running back, two tight ends at this point. From the conversations I've had, I think there are four main guys to talk about in the tight end room. And remember, this group can expand. It is a long time between now and when this thing kicks off for the 2022 season. Like, a lot can happen. But I think we got to start the tight end conversation with your favorite. I mean, he's your guy, Braden Willis. He's had a really nice offseason. He's had a great start. To spring ball, they think he can be a a significant weapon for this offense at tight end. And but clearly, with Braden, it's all about him staying healthy. But he has done everything the staff has asked him to do. Everything the new strength staff has asked him to, asked him to do. He has become a leader. He's being more vocal as a leader now and. He looks the part. He certainly does, but it would be awfully awfully beneficial for this football team if he could become a pass-catching weapon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, a lot of a lot of all, all of the I don't know how they use him is going to kind of depend on the spring, I'm guessing, whenever they get a full grasp of what they've got in their tight end room um and what the capabilities are, and I'm sure a lot of it is already predetermined just by the style of the offense. But if you've got special players at, at different positions, you're gonna build your offense accordingly. So I think it's a big year for Braden Willis. We've seen what he can do when he's split out, what he can do in some mismatch situations. He's a gritty, tough blocker at the line of scrimmage. So no, I agree. I think it's I think it could be a really big year for him. He I think he's faster and a better receiver then he's had the ability to showcase so far at OU. Hopefully, I,
0: I, this, I agree. this is an
1: opportunity.
0: Yeah, I agree. I just don't know what's realistic to expect from him. Like, I, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to be some 800 to 1,000-yard receiver. Like, and maybe, I hope I'm wrong. That would be awesome. But even if he's just a guy that becomes a huge red zone threat, right guy that ends up all of a sudden you look up he's caught 7 8 touchdowns on the year or something like that like just adding that element like a big physical tight end that can create mismatches with linebackers and safeties like that would be that would be massive for this team that's it's huge for any offense so i i just don't know what what type of jump to expect like i think we all agree there's going to be a jump but just how big is it going to be? And I, I don't know if we'll know till the fall, right? But one thing that I tell people all the time is, you know, when I was, when I was a player, when I moved positions, I gained a ton of confidence in spring ball, a ton of confidence going through those reps, blocking the guys on the other side of the ball. And that gave me the confidence, the confidence and the belief in myself to be like, okay, I can, like, I can do this. Like I, I can, I can do this. I feel like this spring. And I know Braden Willis has played a ton of football at OU, but this spring is going to be a confidence builder for him. If it goes really, really well, which it sounds like it's, it's off to a good start. Like, if he can, you know, catch some, some really nice balls in practice and make some big plays in practice, like I I think he he knows the physical talents he has, like, but you still got to go do it, right? And I think spring is the perfect opportunity for him to prove not only to the new you know the new offensive coordinator, but to himself, like, hey, I can be a big time playmaker at the tight end position, and w- once you build that confidence up then that, I mean, it goes a long way. It's so important. So I think this spring is especially important for him to build confidence as a big-time playmaker for this team.
1: Yeah, and I I think a lot of that has started for him um, in the bowl game and, you know, throughout winter workouts where he's kind of transitioned into uh, almost like the – one of like the senior leader he's like kind of the guy on the team now you know what I'm saying he's like the the elder statesman of the team and I think that role is, is something that he can really build on in the spring and uh, he's he's totally comfortable and confident in himself as a football player so yeah you know and I just a lot of it is going to be determined on how much Levy has with the tight end in his offense you know and like I said, he'll build some of that in there, but some op- some offenses just don't have much tied in. Like, I wouldn't expect to start seeing Braden Willis as a split-out receiver, just a, a, like as his main role. I think it's going to be boot, play action, some of your more traditional type of tied-in routes where he sees action, but that doesn't mean that has to be limiting. You can still do a lot from that type of role.
0: And... It's, and you kind of made the point, if Braden Willis shows Jeff Levy, he can, you know, run short, intermediate, you know, run vertical routes, he's going to get him on the field and he's going to dial stuff up for him. But it's like, that's where in spring, you got to show what you can do because, you know, there's no doubt coaches set players up for success. Right, dialing up certain plays for guys. Right, that's that's what the best coaches do. They say, okay, how do I how do I get my playmakers to football? Well, players also got to show coaches that they deserve to have stuff dialed up for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I think that is that's going to be important for Braden in you know here in spring ball to show that he's a guy that they need to have on the field. Not only is a blocker, you know, he's, he's proven that he's more than capable of being a versatile piece, right? Inline guy, put him in the backfield, uh, that split zone action, all, all that stuff. He's shown that, but he hasn't necessarily shown consistently that he can be a big playmaker in the passing game. If he shows him that, dude's going to be on the field a whole lot. Yep. Agree. Yeah. All right. Next guy, Daniel Parker. And let, let me tell you, the staff loves Daniel Parker. He is, he's blocking tight end, right? That it has been described to me as an absolute ass kicker <laughs> and take, takes pride in going and knocking the absolute hell out of people. And they think from what they've seen so far, especially in these couple of spring practices, they think he can do more than just be a blocker. Right. And the, the comparison I'll make, and not just because he's one of my best friends, the way that the chiefs use Blake bell, where he's on the field a ton, right. But he's mainly out there as a blocker. But if you look at some of the balls that Blake has caught over the years with the chiefs, a lot of stuff in the flat, a lot of delayed routes, Lot of lot of routes where the tight end's kind of the outlet, right? Where you're reading things deep to short in a progression and you just make some nice easy catches and you rack up a couple of eight yard, 10 yard gains. You move the chains. Like I think Daniel Parker can be that blocking tight end that can also do some decent things in the short and intermediate passing game. You mentioned like off bootlegs stuff like that. Like there's always that guy in the flat, Ted, and he's always open. He's always open because defenses are, by design, leave that guy open. So I, I think Daniel Parker, he's going to be a guy that they want at the point of attack in the run game, but also a guy that they are more than comfortable with throwing him the football. Got good hands, all that stuff, and they just, they just love this guy's attitude.
1: Yeah, and as much as we know Levy loves to throw the ball deep, you know, whenever – you have deep route progressions that run the entire defense off down the field and you got a tight end that's sitting there in protection. Either they've pancaked the guy that he's blocking with the tackle or someone dropped into coverage and he hangs and waits and quarterback still got the ball, just natural little step outside a little bit and, and catch that flat and be the outlet. And those, those plays can turn into, like you said, uh, Big-time plays that keep the, the drive alive, move the chains. And I just love that it sounds like there's going to be a heavy emphasis on running the ball physically. And when you have – like, Brain Willis is – he's not a – I don't want to say that he's not a big tight end. I mean, he's got good size to him, but he's not like a physically imposing blocker. He's scrappy as hell as a blocker but not physically imposing. But when you have two guys that kind of have that type of mindset whenever it comes to blocking, that's a weapon, man. When you could dominate the edge of a defense with with great tight end blocking, that makes it really tough. If you defensively, if you can't win the edge, you got problems.
0: Big problems. Big problems. So, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see, like, if Daniel Parker turns into just some kind of dominant guy, there blocking on the edge. I mean, how, how much 12 personnel is Jeff Levy going to get in? Cause if, if a guy is, I mean, if he's earning his way onto the field, like that's, that's where offense coordinators, they're, they're going to put their best players on the field. Like, how do I get my best 11 on the field as often as I can? If Daniel Parker turns into one of those guys, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what kind of personnel breakdown, you know, like what percentage they're in 10 or what percentage they're in 11 or 12. It'll be really interesting to see how that goes. If, if they feel like Daniel Parker's a guy that just needs to be on the field quite a bit.
1: Well, if you're 12 personnel and you've got the, and we talk about this a lot about the, the benefits of having guys that can do multiple things, like, if you're a 12 personnel and you got two tight ends and they have the ability to absolutely mush you at the line of scrimmage whenever they're in a pair on one side, you got to get out of nickel and you got to get in, you got to get in base and you got to have an extra backer in there. Well, guess what happens when the extra backer jogs onto the field? Now you're a 12 personnel, but you're split out and that extra backer isn't up there winning the line of scrimmage like he's intended. He's out there covering Braden Willis in space. So that matchup ends up going back to the offense. So my guess is if 12 personnel can be that dangerous of a weapon for Jeff Levy, he'll stay in it all day long if they can win the line of scrimmage and and force defenses to, to try to adapt.
0: Yeah. Caden Helms. 6'5", 221 freshman. And I think he can help this season. I do. From everything I've heard, it sounds like he can be a weapon in the passing game because this guy's got size. He is an athlete, and he can be an absolute mismatch with linebackers and safeties. Now, of course, he's a freshman, right? He needs to add weight. He needs to add strength. Those duh. But he is a big time talent. And one thing that I was told that I did like hearing was like he is, you know, he's a weapon in the past game, and he is going to be, they, they think he's gonna be really damn good down the line. But That's awesome. he's also not afraid of contacts, right? He he will get in there and mix it up. So I, I do think Caden Helms is a guy that with his skill set, even as a young player. Where you know he's he's got a he's got a big frame and there's there's certainly room to grow room for gains there but I, I just think he he's going to be too talented for him to not be on the field some just as a pure threat in the passing game.
1: Yeah, right. And to have young guys that can step up and physically. Now and remember, these are these are early arrivals, so. Supposed to be in the spring semester of their senior year, right? The fact that they can step in there with the big boys on the line of scrimmage and you know not be worried about getting in there and and hitting somebody, having some some physicality to them, that's big. And you know I don't know I don't know how quick he'll find his way on the field. Um, it could be hard with with two tight ends in front of you that kind of offer the same thing, but at six five. Two hundred twenty plus pounds. If you could be a great wide receiving threat, receiving threat as a tight end, you, you cannot teach size. You can't coach size, and at six five, that's hard for any defensive back to try and contend with. And especially at the nickel spot, who would be nickel or safety who would typically be guarding that guy uh, when he split out. It's a big weapon,
0: no doubt. And last guy. Jason Llewellyn checks, checking in at the freshman checking in at 6'5, 260. So, uh, nice. I mean, all right, here we go. But when, when you look at him, he seems more of like a, I don't know if this is the best way to put it, but like a, a throwback tight end, a, a guy, because tight end has become so associated with, catching the football and making big plays in the passing game. Like, I feel like, you know, when we have a conversation about the best tight ends, like that's, that's what makes a great tight end now is if you are basically just a jumbo receiver. But for Llewellyn, like he, for me, he looks more of like an old school tight end. Like what, what I think makes a good tight end where he can play in line. You, you can split him out maybe a little bit. He can play fullback he can be an h back like he can do a little bit of everything and if if my read on him is correct i this is this is going to be an interesting comparison but as a guy that i played with and that i have an incredible amount of respect for if he can be brody eldridge with with better hands then he's going to be one hell of a player at ou because a lot of people forget brody ran 472 at the combine He got drafted in the fifth round and it was because he was one tough SOB. And I think Llewellyn, he's, he's got that type of makeup and real good athlete. I don't know if he's going to be some just, you know, devastating pass catcher, right? I don't know if he's going to be a thousand yard tight end or anything like that. I don't think that's what he's going to be, but I, I just think he's a, he's going to be a good football player. And, I, I could see him finding his way on onto the field a little bit in his freshman year because if he can figure out you know, kind of the ins and outs of the offense because uh, they're going to ask him a lot to do with the skill set he's got and that's not easy right that's that's going to be a lot on him mentally if he can figure it out I and mean, this could be you know the start to a a really really solid career
1: at six five two sixty as a freshman. He's gonna have to be careful. He's dangerously flirting with that tackle
0: position, right? <laughs> I from experience, I, I would say yes, keep keep that weight in check, Jason. And if you prove to be a very good blocker, just know <laughs> <laughs> that the conversation will be had. Now, I I don't know. I, I haven't seen the kid in person or anything like that. So I don't know how well he moves, you know, how athletic he is. Just just from his high school stuff, looks like a pretty solid athlete. But, yes, if, if all of a sudden they're looking around going, hmm, who could the next center be? Oh, hey, Jason. What, what yeah. do you think about, hey, we, we want you to get maybe 270, 275, and then all of a sudden it goes up. 280, 285. No, I, I, I don't think he's going to be an old lineman. But yeah, you, you never know. I suppose.
1: Yep, that's a, a that's the gigantic freshman tight end.
0: Big dude.
1: That's big. That's big. And if if he maintains some athleticism, and that 260 is like a really good 260. Like there's there's just not a lot of tight ends in the Big 12 of that that size so if you've got tight ends like daniel parker and Llewellyn of that size and are physical you just don't see that a lot now you see it a lot in the big 10 right and i think you'll probably see some more of that in the sec which is good but in the big 12 that's a that can be an advantage over some of these defenses
0: yeah so we'll see we'll see how quickly the the young the young freshmen can earn their ways onto the field. So that, that's definitely something we're going to continue to monitor. Okay, let's get to call your shot. And we ask you guys, what are you most ex- excited about when it comes to this tight end group for OU? This first one comes from Zach Larkin on Twitter, who he says, he says, most excited to watch Daniel Parker manhandle some DEs and linebackers and sneak out for some TD grabs. That is that is a great way to describe what I think we're all expecting from Daniel Parker, from our man Zach. I, I like how he put that.
1: Right, yeah. Um, that's really what you want, uh, a punisher that gets rewarded every now and then, right, with, uh, with a quick little throw and maybe get into the end zone, short yardage, goal line, package stuff. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, and this... This other one comes from Taylor McCormick on Twitter, who says, obviously, Braden Willis is going to have a big year, but I'm excited to see Caden Helms when he gets his time on the field this, this year. I don't know if it's just me, but I get Kyle Pitts vibes from that kid.
1: Well, I'm, I'm loving those vibes. If we get Kyle Pitts statistics from him, um, that's going to be even better. Uh, I, you know, it's hard to know sometimes what the what the absolute ceiling for some of these young guys is going to be. You know, there's always every recruiting cycle, you have a new class, and there's a ton of uh, excitement. And some guys make it, some guys exceed, some guys you never hear from again. So, just never really know who's going to pan out. But the uh, the comments earlier definitely looking good.
0: Yeah. All right, birthday shout outs. A little light on the birthday shout outs. So, uh, do you think people get gun shy when we complain about there being too many?
1: Um, no, no. We haven't. I don't, uh, I don't that's think not the so. way to
0: put it. We haven't complained. We just kind of start laughing. and We're like, oh my gosh, we're still going when we've got like 20 of them.
1: I think we had a, a bit of a backlog uh, on some birthdays there for a little bit. So I think we're caught up and this just happens to be a light day. There's okay. nothing wrong with that.
0: Happy ninth birthday to Andrew Foster. Happy 11th birthday to Caleb the Cat Hill. Happy 31st birthday to Chris. Oh, no. Deli. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't,
1: I was thinking Stel? maybe Stell or it's not stall. That's not
0: stall. I don't know. S T E. What do you got? Steel, steel, S T E H L E steel, Chris, steel, Chris, Stell Stel? oh, no. Steli, Stel, steel, Chris, hopefully we got <laughs> one with the, Got it with one of those happy 36th
1: birthday to kevin lutz
0: happy birthday to adeline olive and happy adoption day to kerrigan olive awesome big week for the olive family congratulations guys uh let, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend but first attention business owners you need insurica in your life yeah you do insurica is one of the
1: But it doesn't matter because it's always hard seltzer season and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop LWorks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic Drive-In flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores.
0: As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend?
1: I've got to go. And maybe by the time everyone sees this, um, they will have met their demise by North Carolina. But you got to go with St. Peter's. To have a team like them, a 15 seed, make it to the Elite Eight, is just an amazing story. And I don't even know if the story's over yet. Um, North Carolina's playing good basketball right now. Uh, they've got a, an advantage on them in, in a couple of different ways, but so did Purdue, so did Kentucky. And this team's got uh, a little bit of a mission mentality behind them right now. They've got a groundswell of support. It's incredibly fun to watch them play. I think the story is amazing. And I wouldn't, I'm pulling, I like Manic. I want Manic to play well and maybe to make it there with North Carolina, but I got to tell you, I wouldn't be mad if I saw St. Peter's make it to the Final Four.
0: I, I wouldn't either, right? And you look at ha, – have you seen all the pictures of, like, their gym? Yeah, it's crazy. Looks like a high it's school a, gym. A small high school gym. Yes. What, what gym? What gym is better, St. Peter's or Fort Gibson?
1: Fort Gibson, not even close. I agree. Fort Gibson's, like, five times that size. It's – It's crazy that they play in a gym that small. Can you imagine what it's like to to that be your home gym uh, that you play your big games in and then find yourself in an Elite Eight matchup against North Carolina, national television, that huge, awesome venue. That's got to be an amazing feeling,
0: man. It's got to be an incredible feeling. Uh, Maybe they can get some some warm ups with their school logo on them from Adidas. Now, if they go to the final four, I Doug mustache, Doug, that guy. I mean, you talk about just blowing up in popularity. I don't even remember how to say his last name. Eater, editor. I don't even, but Doug mustache, Doug, love that guy. Big fan of that guy.
1: When he was sitting there with that plate of hot wings, I got an NIL deal. I just could not stop laughing. That was so funny. But, hey, man, I I think it's a great story. And luckily, you know, for my rooting interest, there's, there's really no loser coming out of that game. Um, you know, if Manic makes it to the Final Four, North Carolina, I'll be happy for that. Uh, and if St. Peter's wins again, one of the best stories that we've seen when it comes to the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it's... It's Shaheen Holloway's last go at Saint Peter's, right? I think everyone expects him to be the next coach at Seton Hall, so that's kind of a cool element too. It's like it's the last ride for him with the, with these guys, and I don't know. I once again, we it is one fifty four Central time right now. That game doesn't tip off until four oh five Central, so we don't know if Saint Peter's won or not against North Carolina. I I I hope they do. Because yep. that would be that'd be awesome. Now, also North Carolina Duke would not suck either. So we're, we're that's kind of a win win for all college basketball fans. But I I'm with you. They are they are what March Madness is all about. They are they are why we love this tournament so what so much. And this is this is what makes March Madness so special. It's what makes it unique in the world of sports, because it, as much as you want to say, like, Oh, it's not possible. Like, there's no way. Like you can be St. Peter's or there's, you remember George Mason back in the day, like
2: mm-hmm.
0: it can happen in the NCAA tournament. That's why it's awesome. That's why you, you never, you rarely hear people like, Oh no, 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 they can't, they can't get that done. It's because in the NCAA tournament, you never really know and that's that's why it's awesome. And it's not like
1: you know sometimes you can because of other other upsets and other things happening like you can you can find your way into a really beneficial bracket. Can you imagine St. Saint, Saint Peter's making the final four going through Kentucky, North Carolina and Purdue? Like that's unbelievable. <laughs> that would be incredible.
0: I We'll talk about it on Wednesday. <laughs> How about that? All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend?
1: I had to go with Villanova. Um, they win. They advance. Awesome. But the Moore kid uh, set for an MRI, left on crutches, uh, did not look good the way that that whole thing went down hated to see that happy that they made it but once you get to that that level and you get it you get into the final four it could be incredibly difficult you absolutely have to have all hands on deck doesn't mean that they can't still do something special but you hate to make it to that point feel like you're right there with the chance to win a national championship and you lose probably your best player.
0: Jay Wright is a damn good basketball coach. I, I'm not sure many people realize that they're in their third, like, like they could win their third championship in the last like six tournaments, I think. It's 2016, right? Yeah. Three out of six, that's, that's dynasty, right? Like that's dynasty level stuff. Well, someone made
1: the comment that you, we could have a all blue blood final four and I was like, okay, Duke, North Carolina, um, Kansas, and Villanova. And at first I was like, eh, I don't know. But, I mean, I since they made this Final Four, I think that, like, may solidify them as a basketball blue blood, right?
0: It's got to – I mean, and there's a debate to be had about, like, okay – do you have to call them like a, a new blue blood or new blood, blue blood, or I don't whatever term you want to use? But yeah, are they a traditional blue blood in college basketball? No, but at some point, when a program has the amount of success that Villanova has had under Jay Wright, like you you get you get placed in the blue blood category. We could call it something different. I really don't care, but all I know is that team goes to Final Force. That's what Jay well, Wright does. And if he wins his third championship in six seasons or in six tournaments, what you can't you can't tell me they're not a current blue blood. It, well whatever you to call it. The elite to category. The other,
1: the other blue bloods that we're gonna be talking about being there, I their recent success is better than all of those schools.
0: That's that that's kind of a college football conversation as well. Like is Georgia a blue blood program? No, right? When you talk about historical success in college football, but you you best believe they are an elite program now. I think They're, Villanova is is in a, it's kind of the same conversation. like they may not be a, a historical blue blood in college basketball, but they are an elite level program now. So, however you want to phrase it.
1: Like, if you're playing Georgia, if Georgia's on your schedule next year, like, you're treating it like you're playing a blue blood right now. Like, that's, that's how that yeah. game is currently. So, it's probably the same thing with Villanova, and they've got the recent success. Their recent success is way better than Georgia's, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive.
0: Villanova shot 28% and won. That Crazy. is, Yeah. That is that is something. <laughs> wow. I if if you like watching the bat the basketball go in the basket, Villanova Houston was not for you. And <laughs> I, I fall in that category where I was like, oh, make it make it end. I was like, oh, awesome. Villanova's going. Like it was a brutal game That's to crazy. watch. My goodness. All right. Let's get to my winners and losers. But first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High
1: School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With the 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis College Prep Curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school, or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available.
0: And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balconi's products. You got to grab some of Balcones lineage single malt whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got you got to snag some of Balconi's baby blue corn whiskey.
1: Did you forget? I did. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn, and that is
0: why it has won more than twenty five awards. What a what a horrible air disaster! Disaster has struck. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balconi's pot still bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect. Perfect bourbon to drink year round. In 2012, Balcone's single malt won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McCallan. It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balconi's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yes, they are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend. Thought about going with Max Verstappen. Ted. He's oh, back on top.
1: Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Shocker. Won the
0: Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. But Ferrari second and third. Leclerc Ooh. and signs. But I mean, it's it could be a Ferrari Red Bull duel this season. Mercedes, where you at? Where you at, Lewis Hamilton?
1: His mind was was not in the right place in the offseason. Right. Did get, did put
0: the work in. Yeah. I, I don't know. He's the best driver ever. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead. Yeah, he's fine. Also, happen. thought about here. Here's an off the wall one for you. Also, thought about going with Panther City Lacrosse Club in the mm. National Lacrosse League. They play in Fort Worth. They're at Dickie's Arena. Started the season one and eight. They have won five in a row and are in the playoff picture. So if you live in the DFW area, and I know we got a lot of listeners that do, go check out Panther City Lacrosse Club. Pretty, I mm. uh, got. Hottest team in the NLL, Ted. Five straight. You got to love it. And then I also thought about going, oh, you softball. Now, they're playing their final game against Baylor as we record this. I don't know if they've run-ruled them yet. It's likely that they will because they've run-ruled teams 13 games in a row. And they have outscored those opponents 139-8. to And that was going into Sunday's game against Baylor. And so, so
1: that's, is that three run rules this year already on Baylor? I looking for four.
0: I believe that's correct.
1: They, uh, they played them earlier in a tournament, right? So yes. Or one of those, Yeah. You know, so yeah, my guess is yes, we've got a run rule coming.
0: I, I mean, I, I suppose we could look it up. It's, it's a quick Google, but you know, I, I'm just going to choose to believe that they run rule them, you know? Is that – oh, actually – oh, wow. Luckily, I looked it up. Middle of the sixth, Baylor won OU zero. Whoa, right now? Right now. See, this is just us taking advantage of their greatness. We just assumed that they were going to wipe the floor with Baylor. And uh, so – Well, they did twice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our apologies – to Baylor softball. You, you're, wow. you're putting up a good fight. I hope you okay. lose okay. But, man, wow. I've got a lot of, like, honorable mentions. Also thought about going with Mike Gundy. Did you see that? Yeah. Going to get a million-dollar increase per season on his contract. Additionally, got a $1 million retention bonus over the next five seasons. The guy's gone to 16 straight bowl games. He's accumulated seven 10-win seasons. So now he is going to be making seven and a half million dollars a year as the head coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and he has earned every dollar of it I
1: agree, and I still believe that considering the the circumstances, the school the state the the fact that he's won as many games as he has i I think he's probably the most underrated coach in the entire country
0: yeah. Got to call him Big Money Mike now. Big Money Mike. Big Money Mike Gundy. But my winner of the weekend is is another Mike. That's Mike Krzyzewski headed to his 13th Final Four. Duke beats Arkansas 78-69 in a game that really never felt in doubt for the Blue Devils. I don't know what else to say other than Duke's playing at a really high level man. They I are. mean, no, nobody is playing better than them right now. And they've got dudes and Caro kills Griffin, Roach, Williams more. And it seems like they're all playing well at the right time.
1: Yep. And yeah.
0: you know, you, you go back, just going back and thinking about that embarrassing loss to North Carolina in coach K's last home game. We talked about that possibly being like the, the start of the championship DVD, right? Coach K saying the season's not over (laughs) in his speech after that game. But then they got blown out by Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. and It felt like, okay, this team doesn't have what it takes to win it all. They've been so impressive over the last couple of weeks. And man, I can't remember my mind changing on a team like so drastically from like weekend to weekend in the NCAA tournament. Like going into the opening weekend, I was like, is Duke gonna make it out of the opening weekend? And now after this one, I'm like, no one's beating that team. Too good. They're too talented, too good, playing too well, uh, mixing things up defensively. Players are you know, they they feel like they really have some input in this thing. You got the whole it's Coach K's last ride thing. I I don't know, man. It's it's got the team of destiny feel to it.
1: Yeah, and and he He made a comment uh, just to paraphrase a little bit that, you know, the way that this team has really taken off, like he's able to stop coaching a little bit, so to speak, and just kind of step back and let these guys kind of go do their thing. And they're starting to thrive in that type of environment. And they're hot right now. And, hey, the, the tournament's all about getting hot at the right time, man. And they are hot, red hot.
0: Yeah, and whether they get North Carolina or St. Peter's there in the final four, either May matchup. I mean, we, we talked about it. either matchup. is going to be awesome, and I'm picking Duke to win. Yep. yep. Because, man, they are, they are rolling. Can you believe it would be the first time that Duke and Carolina will have played in the NCAA tournament if they play each other?
1: Uh, it almost seems like there's been a massive effort to make sure that they avoid each other.
0: Interesting. Huh. Wow. Huh, that's interesting.
1: That would be awesome, though, to uh, a Duke North Carolina Final Four for his last. That would be that'd be incredible.
0: North Carolina fans. And once again, we're recording this before that game even takes place. So we could sound like idiots right here. (laughs) But we we thought North Carolina fans like experienced one of the most satisfying feelings they've ever experienced doing what they did in Coach K's last home game. Could you imagine if they send him home in the Final Four? Woo. That
1: that's,
0: that's the peak of fandom for a North Carolina fan, I feel like.
1: It's the peak of fandom for North Carolina, and it's the bottom of the barrel for Duke, right? I, you've got – that's there's there would be some anger in that one, it, especially almost, if it was like a controversial type of game. It's crazy.
0: That would be fun. No man. call, like no foul call on the last play of yep. the game. Oh, it would be, uh, it'd be something. All right. For my loser of the weekend, I thought about going with Italy. I, I don't follow soccer very closely, but I saw this Italy lost to North Macedonia one to nothing which knocked them out of World Cup qualifying and means that Italy will miss back-to-back World Cups for the first time ever.
1: I love that it's North Macedonia. Macedonia is a tiny country to begin with. The fact that it's North Macedonia is hilarious. I had no
0: idea. (laughs) I saw it and I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Went and watched the highlights and everything. Come on, Italy. Get it together. I will say the Macedonia goal was pretty sick. It was. but. My loser of the weekend, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it's not for the reason you think. We all know what the mission is at this point in the season. We all know. And they gave us a scare against the Denver Nuggets. I mean, they got Jokic, guy maybe the MVP. They had Trey Mann and Darius Baisley, who now is also hurt having an MRI. And essentially a group of G League guys you look up, they're playing the Nuggets Saturday night, and somehow the Thunder have a 105-103 lead with under three minutes to go in the game, and I'm just sitting here going, what are we? What, what, what's happening here? How, how did
1: we Plus, get here? We did this crap at the end of last season, all right? We've got to lose these games that come down to the wire tight
0: late. Let's go. Now, they did end up losing, but it was entirely too close. Entirely too close. It was causing me stress. (laughs) I didn't need it in my life, Ted. But just don't scare us like that, boys. What are we doing? I mean now you've you've switched over because to start off the season, correct? You were you were cheering for wins, but literally no one is playing. (laughs) So it's one of those where I I was I was of the belief where it was like, okay, if Josh Giddy and SGA are both out there and they're developing chemistry and they are you know, making each other better and we're winning some games because of that, then so be so it. Be I'm it. all right. for it. We're building for the future. Both of those guys are on the court. Lou Dortz, he's done for the year. Like none of the players that you're trying to build around for the future are out there, except for I do think Trey Man, man, he is going to be a big time scorer for this franchise moving forward. But none of those guys are out there. So the the chemistry building is no longer a component to this for me. So now it's like, yeah, I'm to the point where it's like, okay, don't win. What are you, what, what, what's happening here? And they scared, they, I was, I was worried. I mean, Poku, Poku of all people puts them up 105 103 with a couple of minutes to go. And I'm just like sitting with my head in my hand going, <laughs> what is happening?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, Hey, we're at least we're getting the, um, the chemistry and all of that, they're building that in the training room now. That's that's good, as long as they're in the same place, right?
0: <laughs> I, I guess. Team announced, right? Josh Giddy done for the rest of the year with that hip issue he's been dealing with for like a month now. Jay Gilgis alexanders av- availability for the rest of the season seems rather questionable, but he's I – I think everyone's feeling really, really good about building around those two guys moving forward. And you, you look at what Giddy did in his rookie year, man, ends up averaging what 12 and a half points, almost eight rebounds, um, over six assists a game. Like undoubtedly he's going to be first team all rookie. So, you know, in, in hindsight, right. We were, we were all kind of annoyed with how last season finished and how that affected the lottery odds. And then the Thunder end up not getting, you know, a, a top three pick or not even close. And you end up with giddy that appears to have worked out pretty decently, but yeah. I would prefer they have a really high draft pick, like one or two this year. That's just, that's just what I would prefer.
1: Totally agree. I mean, I, I love giddy. And whenever you look like those, look at, you look at those stats, those are good, but, one of the things is like maybe the first 6 weeks of the season it, it was really slow for him and naturally right it's that's a, it's a tough transition but the type of basketball he was playing really in his peak this season is it's way better than even that stat line and yeah. uh, the capabilities with him are they're next level man he's a he's a really fun player
0: yeah if if the thunder could add Jabari Smith or maybe Paolo Bronquero. I wouldn't be mad. Wouldn't be now. Chet Holmgren scares me, man. That's skinny. I know. Uh, he just, he, it's just body the way he moves. Now he's extremely skilled for his size, but if you can tell, or I guess if you can't tell, I've uh, I've started going down the uh, mock NBA draft rabbit hole. I'm, I'm hoping the Thunder have a top three pick feeling really good. If they got a top three pick, although the general consensus from the people that cover, you know, the draft for a living deep draft this year. So who knows?
1: Good, good, good. I'm with you on the Holmgren kid. That's, I don't know.
0: I like Our Jay last... Ivy from Purdue too. Yeah. Even though he yeah. disappeared. Like, I don't, I don't know who that was in his body. Like there was an imposter, for Jaden Ivey in the St. Peter's game. I don't know what the hell that was, but I also wouldn't mind him playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I like guys that can get buckets.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: I feel like I interrupted you. You were about to say something hilarious no. about home Holmgren.
1: No, nope, no, no. no. Uh, well, all I was saying is uh, he's obviously incredibly skinny, and durability looks like a factor, but the last time – the Thunder took a guy that looked way too skinny, Kevin Durant. It ended up working out pretty good. He's no Kevin Durant, but I don't know.
0: I I thought you were about to say last time the Thunder took a guy way too skinny. His name was Poku, <laughs> and look at how that has turned out. Well,
1: th- I, maybe I should have said that. Yes.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Sam Pressy, he'll draft the right guy. He'll draft the right guy. I, I don't even need to be worrying about this right now
1: ted it's okay it's fine you don't
0: unnecessary stress just like watching them almost beat the nuggets in denver in a meaningless game they're gonna (sighs) be fine they're gonna be fine
1: as long as they stay healthy next season they'll be
0: fine and on that note episode 200 in the books We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.